I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello. Welcome back. Local Hour, Preds Power Hour, here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm joined, as I am at this time, every single week on the 4Chex. Brian Bastin is here, Renegade Puck. Brian, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm okay. I'm, I'm glad that we're all here and we're back to talk some Preds. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm happy you're here, my friend. Um, also here, over there in Knoxville, Tennessee, Right down the street from me, uh, close to me, something like that. I don't know how geography works, but not that far. Charlie Burris of A to Z Sports. Charlie, good afternoon, sir. How are you? What's up, guys? Glad to be back after uh, a few weeks off. I have had multiple times now where you've messaged me and been like, uh, are you going to drop in here? And then I've hours later been like, I'm sorry, I got caught up at work. So this is this is good. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, man. We're happy to have you uh, whenever you can make it. It's good. It's uh, it's fun to talk breads and also talk about life and Tennessee and all that stuff because it is everything school HQ over here. Everything's good. Uh, we're, what I always say and like what we have to say every single week on this podcast, you will not find another podcast on the internet with three UT graduate student alums on the same podcast. <laughs> you won't find anywhere else. If you want to, you're elite nashville tennessee preds coverage this is the podcast for you we love education on this podcast we love giving the university of tennessee all of our dollars uh-huh yeah that's the rest of our lives it feels <laughs> too like. many dollars yeah far too many are either of y'all in the ball club or no no i i do not um would it be a conflict I, of interest for you charlie can you even are you allowed to join the ball club see i honestly don't know because like i did i mean i think like yesterday i interviewed uh grant freaking who i don't think i don't think he's like employed by them but he works very closely with them yeah mm-hmm. i I, I don't know. I, does it really matter if I'm that ethical? Like I'm not actually in. The, I'm, I'm not actually in the media core. I guess that's the difference. Like I, I certainly present my podcast as like I, I'm a fan who worked in media mm-hmm. more than I am media now. So like you are media. I, you are. You're more media than I, me. I mean, for sure. Yeah. I you mean, are ADC Sports. You. That's pretty media. Yeah. At, at at the end of the day, I mean, I I guess I am. But like, yeah, I think about that. Like, I do interview somebody like that, and if I was giving to their business and interviewing them in any kind of like a serious way maybe that would be a conflict of interest i don't know but no i i just don't because i um it just doesn't i i i love it kind of outside looking in more than being involved in that type of stuff maybe but that's just me Hmm. um well there you go i don't know if i'll ever join it it's i just i don't know part of me is like that's nice it'd be cool to be in they've taken they've taken enough from you they really have. But I would. love it conceptually. 
like yeah. that's where college sports is going where it's like you can pay the players but they haven't the thing that gets me is the transparency they're just like uh, everything but 10 percent goes to the athletes and i'm like i'm gonna need a little more information than that that's that's where i i get caught up with a lot of it but yeah maybe that's again maybe that's just me well you know who got caught up in a whole kind of mess last night the Nashville Predators, Jordan Bennington started for the oh. St. Louis Blues in the net, and uh, it did not go well. Uh, five goals given up uh, by the Preds, who fall to 21-18-6 as of this recording. Charlie, we, Brian and I have said for the last few weeks, it's just, this is how the season's going to go, where you're going to go a little bit over 500, then you're going to go a little bit under 500, and you're not going to shake things up all that much. And you're just maybe going to squeak into the playoffs. We'll see. The The division's pretty weak, um, top to bottom. Um, that's just about where they are. Like, the, the Blues are kind of in that same zone at 23, 20, and 3. Um, they're having a similar type season. But uh, bad loss last night um, for the Preds uh, in St. Louis. They are now sixth in the Central. Um, but, you know. Uh, the Preds season's not going awry. They've, uh, they have some big wins over Calgary and Columbus. I don't know. It's just, it's so funny that we've probably a month and a half now just been like, well, we know they're not going to turn the corner and win 12 straight. And we also know that they're not going to fall off completely and lose 12 straight. We just, this is kind of where they're at. They, they know Mm -hmm. exactly who they are as a team, but, um, Brian, we'll start positively. What went right in the wins over Calgary and Columbus? Yeah, um, I mean, I covered both those games Monday and t- uh, Monday and Tuesday, and I saw a lot of good things from the team. Actually, a lot better than I expected. I know that the score, excuse me, was just two to one in both of those games, and that they were again kind of, you know, supported by just outstanding goaltending by both Soros and Lankinen. Uh, but what I was seeing a lot of is, and this is probably the best two game stretch I can remember in three and a half years of coverage is they were fantastic with their shot quality. If you look at the heat maps of where they are taking shots, I mean, it's just one single big red blob right in front of the net. And that's something that I've screamed about for years, um, just because I'm a huge nerd, but you know, it's obviously, you know, you have a higher chance of making a goal if you're closer to the goal just, you know, common sense type things. I know analytics can be tough, uh, but, you know, and that's and that's what they did extremely well there. They're the forechecking and the style of, of offense that they play worked extremely well against Calgary, who I thought was a little bit better of a team than they I guess they currently are. Um, but, you know, Johnny Gaudreau and lo- those guys, you know, the big they added him. There's Patrick Line in there and just completely neutralized them. Um, and it was, and I'll give John Hines credit in that Calgary game. I think it was his game plan that won that game because I mean, he put the fourth line and he said, you guys are covering Goudreau and line a, that's what you, you know, that's, you know, Cole Smith and, and, and Tanner Janot and all them. Uh, and they did it. They did it great. You know, we had, we saw the Forsberg and Duchesne line do great. Um, we've had, you know, there's been different scores each time. Um, and so in both of those games, obviously Calgary is a team that is, I think, either right above them or right below them at this point. Uh, they're above them now uh, by three points, uh, you know, and that was good. But Columbus was a team that is they're just awful. I mean, I think they're the worst team in the they might be the worst team now. Or did they get let's see, they're at what, 28 points. Chicago's at 30. So, yeah, Columbus is the worst team in the NHL. But that's what they knew was going to happen. It feels like forever ago they made all those big moves at the deadline, but they like went when now. People were like, are you sure yeah. you want to win now right now? Are you sure you feel good about this? And then they did and it didn't win. And now they're paying the they're they're paying the cost. Yeah, but so you got you always got to pay the cost somehow. Yeah. You're going to pay. It comes due. The bill comes due no matter what. And so yeah. 
I mean, it was good. And if you look at, at this this month for Nashville, they started off four wins in a row. You know, they beat Montreal, Carolina, Washington, Ottawa. Then they lost to Toronto and Montreal. Then they and, and then lost to Buffalo. So that's four wins, then three losses, then two wins, and then a bad loss. And so it's again, like you said, it's this team has bounced up and down over 500 um looking at, at michael mccurdy's on hockeyviz.com his playoff projections you know nashville started about here they went up to where it was you know the projection was it dipped way back down and then kind of got back up to the same level it started at until yesterday then it dipped back down so it's just like that's the kind of team it is and you know give uc soros and kevin lankinen credit again first off kevin lankinen i'm sorry i doubted you um <laughs> I'm sorry I said that Connor Ingram would have been a better choice. I, he may be. I don't know. It's hard to judge because he's in Arizona. But Kevin Lincoln has been fantastic. Um, you know, but as we saw last night, you can't rely on your goaltender having to be lights out every single game. You just can't do it. You know, it's 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 like relying on a kicker to like, you know, as a Cowboys fan, I know the irony in saying this. It's like relying on a kicker to, you know, he's going to be the difference for us. Like, all we got to do is stay within three points and he'll end it for us. Like, no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that with a goaltender. Uh, I'm personally a little bit worried about the workload UC Saros has. Mm. Um, I think he's got, what, 30-something games now? Let's see. Let me look here because it's yeah, he's played 34 and Nashville has played 45 games. Like, that's not – it's not sustainable, even if he is fine and healthy and makes it through, like you don't want to run him into the ground, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, it's, 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 it's rough, but it's just, if the team is not built to keep up with certain other teams, they just, they, it's just not. And that's okay because, you know, not only one team wins the cup every year, you know, mm. for, for, for 31 teams, they did not achieve their goal that season. And so, you know, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt, but, this the team has been so up and down and and they've been one of the most injury free teams in the league i mean mark borowiecki is is the main injury that's left i mean uh and you know that's not like that's a that's a third pairing you know thing mm -hmm. that's not a big deal so it's not like injuries can be the where you can put blame it's just the team isn't as good there were like three things this week that made me I don't want to say a new perspective, almost a defeatist perspective with this hockey team. Hmm. One, one was, and this has been a headline all season long in, in good wins. So often it's like UC Soros makes 4,000 saves and, and then the Predators win. I mean, it was in, in back to back games, like that blue jackets game and the Calgary game. It was like Lincoln and Soros are just standing on their head. And then I saw, I think it was a Tennessean or athletic or something. Somebody wrote an article that was like, the Predators are now leaning on or leaning into Cody Glass and Yuso Parsonen. And I was like, that's not great. Like, it's, it's cool. I mean, I'm glad that sort of these out of nowhere dudes are having nice seasons and whatever, playing well. But you know, like you have Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and like all it's Matt Duchesne, all these dudes on this team. And there's no article about them just being like they're playing out of their mind and <laughs> having the best season ever. And then I think the final thing was I've been watching the Grizzlies a lot lately. Mm -hmm. One of the other uh, pro franchises from the state of Tennessee. And you, you look at that Grizzlies team, John Morant, Desmond Bain, 
Jaron Jackson, all all of these dudes, obviously John Moran. I mean, he's probably going to win MVP in the league this year. And you go like, that's a team that can win a championship. That's a championship winning team. They play to this level. They play to that level every single night. They play to that level almost when it looks effortless. Like they mm-hmm. and and like they they can even have bad games and they win games. And you just look at the Predators right now and you just go. Nah. I mean, look like, at the this Bruins. Isn't in the-, the Bruins, they've they've got nine losses total. Four of them are no overtime. They're 36, five, and four. I mean, that's wild. Unbelievable. Yeah. No, it's the Bruins, not the Wild. That's Minnesota. So why? Well, um, I mean, it, it, no, it, I know. It, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, 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 that's uh, one of my favorite dumb jokes. But, um, <laughs> but it's also the scoring. I mean, look at who's leading the Central right now. It's the Stars who have kicked the crap out of sure. Nashville every time they play them. And what is the biggest reason why? I mean, their their offense is top notch. They have 163 goals. The Preds right now at 124. Jason Robinson. But, but all all of those things. I mean, it was those three elements. Just looking where I was just like, just. Can we just tank? Like, can we just? I, They're I not know. tanking, Charlie. You need to sell that dream. It's not. So, well, it's not happening. And of course, I I saw. I don't. I don't know if it was Sean Sean Smith or somebody. I saw maybe it was Brian to tweet about. It. I I don't know this week, but they were tweet or I don't know who it was. Anyway, somebody was saying like the reason that they're not going to do that is because that will mean almost certainly the end of John Hines, and then also almost definitely the end of David Poyle and David Poyle's just not, he's not going to play that. (laughs) And that's not the way that he's going to go out. And uh, I get it. He puts all his chips in at some point where he's like, this is my last year or two doing this. I'm just trying, I'm going, going for it. Like, I don't know who that is, but I think it ends with him going all in. And then he may not have a choice. you know. So it's going to be, it'll be very, very interesting. It's going to be really, it's going to be something to watch, but it's just, I mean, like looking at, like looking at, like if you look on, look at some advanced stats with this team, mm. uh, you look at like goals above replacement, basically. So basically, like how how good is this player, you know, versus your average like thirteenth forward or your seventh defenseman, basically. And the large majority of majority of the of the team is within like negative two to positive two, which is not. I mean, the the leader on the team is F- Philip Forsberg, seven point one. But if you look at, you know, compare it to the league. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jack Hughes, 17.4, Mark Stone, 17.3. Like they've got some good players, but even Roman Yossi is, is, you know, 5.4. He's not even close to being in the top five for defensemen. I mean, I think goalies are uh, maybe the only like difference maker. I think UC Saros, I know he's second in the league in goals saved above expected. Um, he's second in, in goals above replacement. I mean, he's having a, another, almost a better year than the year that Pekka won the Vesna. Um, so it'll be, I think it's going to be a three man race between Sorokin, Saros and Hellebuck, but that's, you can't rely on just that. You can't, you just can't do it. And it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it, it goes from here because there's guys like Forsberg now and Duchesne and, uh, Roman Yossi, those guys have contracts that can't be moved. Um, you know, so you, which is fine because you can build a team around that. You can still go through the rebuilding process with that, but you know, then you start to look at guys like Ryan Johansson. You know, he's got one more year, I think, left in his contract. Uh, two more years. Wow. Um, you know, there's Mikhail Grandland, who's not had a great year, which I, I think if any, if Nashville moves anybody big, it's probably going to be Grandland. That's just my guess right now, the feeling I've got. Um, so it's it's hard because you've just got you've got a team that is built to be a team that can compete, but they're not doing it. 
And so at some point it's just like, well, you're going to get, it's going to get worse. And, you know, attendance is down across the league. I mean, it before COVID, you know, Nashville had this record of however many sellouts, I mean, for, in the hundreds, you know, and no, no team has really recovered from that yet, but you know, they know that fielding a, you know, putting out a, a team that's this bad right now. I mean, Columbus just got booed off the ice last night from what I heard. So, uh, you know, it's one of those because again, they really fans showing up in the seats is the biggest thing. And so I think a, a tanking team, people aren't going to do it. And so, you know, but I don't know. It's hard. I mean, they just, it's a team that can go in and can play the same way and win some games and beat teams. They shouldn't. And then they come into a, a team that they've already beaten, which I think they've already beaten. I think they've beaten San, uh, St. Louis. Oh no. St. Louis beat them in overtime. So I missed that one. Uh, and I thought they'd beat them earlier in the season. Yeah, they beat them six to two or, uh, at the very beginning of the season. So I mean, this is a team they should be able to compete with because Jordan Bennington's a punk. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, it's it's just it's one of those. But then you come and see, and it's like, no, this this the way that last night went was just not good. I mean, T.S. Ekholm and Colton Sissons, like that's not who you want your goals to come from. You know, that should be your top guys. It should be Philip Forsberg. It should be Ryan Johansson. It should be Matt Duchesne, uh, you know? And so it's, it's, it's really rough. It's really rough. And then you hear, you know, you hear talk, you know, they're like, well, Nashville has talked about, talked to Vancouver about Bo, Bo Horvat, which he's a but good player. But no one player. even knows what Vancouver's doing. Like what is Vancouver doing? What um, is a Vancouver Canuck? They're, they're getting, they're getting, uh, they're just they're just desserts for uh, <laughs> being a crappy organization in this offseason. That's all I'll say about that. So uh, mm. just like just like Philadelphia, which, you know, they've had their whole thing being in the news. Uh, so, yeah, just a normal a normal week uh, all across the board and doesn't you, exist in the NHL, buddy. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> it does not. And also when you look at it too, like from the Columbus uh, aspect of it, like where do they even go? Like there's no path for them <laughs> to be competent for a while. It's, like it, that their, path is, their path just says in big shining letters says Connor Bedard and the kid's good. Yeah. So that's, that's what it is. It's, and the, you know, again, it's going to be funny though, because you know, it's a lottery, so mm -hmm. they could have this awful season and then get the ninth pick in the, in the draft. And who's the funniest lottery winner? The funniest let me take a look at the, the bottom 10 right now and i can tell you that um i would say the f the worst would be chicago absolute worst i would hate <laughs> it it would it mm -hmm. would make me very upset um so yeah that would be by far the worst the it nhl steps in if it's the coyotes where they're like no 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 we're not doing this no yeah i mean honestly is that let's see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten nashville is 12th worst so we're getting there of course that's gonna be the most nashville thing they're gonna miss it by like one or two spots like it's uh, just i think the funniest would be shoot i don't know i think maybe san jose or mm. uh, or anaheim i think one of those two um but let's say if nashville did win it who do you think they would take like first yeah if oh, they it's won bedard. it's bedard but there's question. no chance that they would go anybody but bedard no oh no 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 if they did that they should if they did something else they should fold the entire franchise <laughs> i mean the kid's good and it's 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 hard, so hard and it's one of the things that i really struggled with when i started with this sport is like oh yeah here's the draft cool here's these guys mm. we're not gonna see them for four years they're yeah. gonna be in europe or they're gonna be in russia and then they're gonna be in the ahl maybe and then you know and so it's it's hard to kind of do that because you're like these guys Connor bedard is absolutely day one makes makes the team out of camp and is you know starting second line did jack hughes make it right away 
Uh, I believe so. Yes, that's what I thought. Okay, yeah. so it's Jack Hughes. Who else has done it? Uh, Alex Lafre- Lafreniere, mm-hmm. um, Rasmus Dahlin, the uh, Rangers guy who went to did right away, right? I believe uh, so. His, yeah. Uh, what is his name? I'm blanking on his name. They both they went back and forth the whole year. Where it was like, who's going to go number one? Who's going to go number two between those two? Yeah, let's see here. Uh, so last name? year was uh, Slavovsky from uh, from he was in Finland. I think he's yeah. from Czech Republic. Um, let me take a look at the year before that. Uh, Owen Power was number one in 2021, which I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Um, Alex Lafreniere and Quinton Byfield. Byfield started. Tim, Tim Stutzel, this is in 2020. Tim Stutzel for Ottawa has been playing. Lucas Raymond, I think he only played a little bit in the in the A. Mm. Uh, I mean, these are guys, Alexander Holt. We've we've seen now the debut of Yaroslav Askarov once. Um, and so, I mean, th- th- these are guys that you have to get a top 10 guy if you want him to immediately contribute. And he may yeah. not even be good. La- Lafreniere had a really rough, Capo Caco had a really rough r- rookie year. But, you know, that's the kind of guy that you can get in there. Uh, I mean, if you honestly looking at it, I mean, the, the fact that Yuso Parsonen is is... <laughs> is is a full-time starter now still blows my mind because this guy's seventh round pick i think it's just it's kind of crazy to see you know who makes it in while we've got philip tomasino still trying to get out of the ahl mm. uh luke evangelista another first round pick still trying to get out of the nhl or ahl i mean so i mean it's just it's really interesting he's a parson he still blows my mind that he he's where he's at uh, 2019 seventh round pick. It's it's awesome. It's great. It's fantastic. And and again, all credit to Eric Denay from on the forecheck who loved the dude from the minute they drafted him. So it's it's interesting. I mean, and that's the thing is you can market this team if it's bad. You can market this team as here's these young guys. Come see them play. Come see them develop. Come get a glimpse of the future. The team's going to be a little bit rough, but let's you know let's cut some ticket prices. Let's do some more gimmicky you know nights, fan nights, and things like that. And, you know, like they're doing these these college nights, which I thought was pretty cool until they found out that you had to buy these tickets through your your school's alumni association, because I 100 percent covered that game because I was I wanted an orange Predators hat with a power T on it. Nope, had to pay through the alumni association. And so didn't mm. get that. Mm. Um, People but, ask like this is a Preds hat, by the way, and it's a good yeah. company like this Smashville. And I, I love that. But uh, they're always like, what is that? And I'm like, come on. Come on, what are we doing? What, what, yeah. what are we doing? What, what do you think this means? What, what, what are we doing? People ask all the time. But it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be rough because the ne- rest of this month for Nashville. Hold on, you got the Kings and mm-hmm. where else are they going? They got the Kings. They have, um, hold on one second. I just closed that for whatever reason, um, which was, was stupid of me. But they've got the Kings, which, you know, they've got Victor Arvidsson, Kevin Fiala, uh, you know, they've got Anze Kopitar still, but yeah, so it's, it's LA, um, at home. Then Tuesday is Winnipeg, which Winnipeg is turning in very quickly into a very, very good team. Uh, counter Hellebuck's having one heck of a year as well. And then one of the hottest teams in the league again is the New Jersey devils, which somehow they beat last time they played. So, um, you know, it's, it's not going to get easier. They've got all-star break after that, which the only all-star they're sending is UC Soros, which seems fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's after all-star, uh, Vegas at home at Philadelphia, Arizona, then Boston, then Florida, then Minnesota, then Vancouver. I mean, it's, that's February and it just gets worse. I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's a ton of, of good teams left for this. For this for Nashville to, to play against, and it's just going to be incredibly rough to, to see. And so, you know, th- this this month again, it's gone 
on the surface, what four wins, then two law, uh, three losses, then two wins, then a loss. I mean, they're coming out ahead slightly for the month of January, but there's no consistency, you know, and it's, and almost every single win has been this thing. This part of it looked good, but UC Soros, that's basically what, it, what it is. It's just, it's this, but UC Soros. And, you know, again, you don't want to run him into the ground, but you also don't, you know, people are saying like, Oh, he gave up five goals last night. They should, they should pull him, you know? And it's like, yeah, they should pull him because he shouldn't have to deal with this yeah. right now. Like this is, it's one of those things where he's just like, I, I don't, I can't carry you guys every single game, uh, you know? And so, and you, you, I'll give players credit that after a bad game like that, they almost always were like, yeah, we all apologize to UC for this game. Like this isn't on him at all. Um, so at least they, they realize that, but it's just, it's, they had going, the Nashville's going to have to make a decision and they're going to have to make a decision very soon with the trade deadline coming up as what are they going to do about this season? Are they going to foolishly go out and go try and snag somebody like Bo Horvat or Brock Besser? Like, no, no, they shouldn't because it's just, that's not going to help them get any better. Should they try to unload a Mikhail Granlin? Should they try to, I mean, at this point, if they're not going to play Philip Tomasino, you know, it's just, it's one of those. And so it's going to be very interesting, but these are guys that are, you know, playing for their jobs, not playing for their jobs, coaching or GMing for their jobs. And so I don't know. It's, it's just, I think even, I think, you know, the writing is on the wall. I think yesterday, Elliot Friedman said like Nashville can't continue to do what they're doing is to scrape into the playoffs and just do fine and then get knocked out, you know? And when a guy like Elliot Friedman boils over that, here, like, Oh Yeah. Really? You don't think me. we can keep doing this? You yeah. are you are you sure? You don't it's, think we can keep running this like back? That, it's like that TikTok with Usher mm. when he's like, "Watch this." That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's one hundred percent what Dave Boyle's doing every year. Yeah, and so it's just it's it's rough. It's a rough way to go. Exactly, and and so I don't know. It's hard, especially as a fan, because you don't want to watch these games that they're doing because like you're expecting with this team. This team is telling you that they're all in to try to win. Mm it's one thing to do that. And it's all, it's one thing to be like, Hey, this year's going to suck. We're really sorry, but it's going to make things better in the, in the long run. And they're just pushing it back. And honestly, the, if they keep pushing it back, they're just going to make that, that rebuild period longer, you know, unless they can do something that you know changes how things go. It's just, it's not well. And I feel I've, you know, it's hard for fans. It's hard for people covering you know, just to be like, we don't want to write the same story. We don't want to sit there and point at the same things and say, this is the problem, but this is the problem. And we're going to have to write this, you know, 20 more times this season. So, you know, what, what they're doing is just the worst of all worlds, because you, at least if you tank, you know, that there is intention behind it to build back up, to be mm -hmm. better, to the hope springs eternal in a situation like that. If you're really great, obviously you're really great. That's awesome. But this middle ground where they're just stuck in, just trudging uphill, sliding back down, trudging uphill, sliding back down is, I mean, it's just the worst thing. It's the worst thing for the media covering the team. It's the worst thing for the fans watching the games because who wants to watch that? There's really no motivation because you know it doesn't really lead to anything spectacular. And I, I mean, I, I don't get it. Like as far as it goes from management, and I specifically look to like ownership of this team, like all you have to do is look across the river at Amy Adams trunk. The lady got fed up mm -hmm. and she said no more and fired the GM and said, we're not doing this. <laughs> and like, and 
they need at a certain point, in my personal opinion, that point passed a year ago, frankly, but at at a certain point, I mean, they got to get a backbone and just go, no, this is over. We're not. I mean, it has to be Haslam who steps in the other Haslam. Surely it doesn't take that long though. Right. I mean, it's because he's not taken over for a minute. I mean, it's what next year or the year after Brian? Uh, I think he, he is minority right now. Uh Um, but I think it's going to transition over the next couple of years for yeah. him to kind of take over. So I don't know. It probably has to be signed on from him, right? Well, that's just a weird spot to be in, like a transition of power like this where he's the minority owner and like what they do there. And then you have to run it by uh, baby Poyle with dad Poyle and see. I mean, they don't have to run anything by any of them, thankfully. But I mean, but and and it's I will bring this up because this is something, a conversation I had with somebody and they brought up the good point about like, you know, tanking, like, Mm. you know, we were just talking about, you know, Columbus could be just abnormally bad and have, you know, finish with like 40 points on the season, but still get the 10th pick depending on how the lottery goes. Um, which allows me to bring up one of my, my favorite pet things that I I, I've, I've heard. And I, I champion this every year is instead of doing a lottery system, do something called like a gold draft. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Michael McCurdy again. I bring him up again. He's kind of pioneered this with hockey. But basically, the idea is that at any point in the season, a team that is bad. So let's say Columbus, if they are officially knocked out of playoff contention, mm-hmm. their clock starts there. And so any as a team gets knocked out of playoff contention or they tell the league, we're bad, we're not going to make playoff the playoffs. And so we're going to go ahead and declare this from that point on the team that has the most points who earns the most points from that point on then gets like the higher draft pick. And so Columbus, they may declare really early. And so they may have 20 games for them to accumulate points. Whereas Nashville may not get eliminated until four games out. So they have four games to accumulate points. So you don't have teams tanking and losing, but you also have these teams that when they once they do get knocked out of playoff contention, all of a sudden it's like the playoffs for them because they're trying to win as many games as they can because they're trying to get a better draft spot. Hmm. And, you know, it doesn't it doesn't. Cool. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't, you know, like bad teams, you think, well, they're not going to get points because they're bad. But that just means they've got longer to accumulate points. You know, like you can outpace Nashville if the, if the best Nashville can do is eight points and you've got 20 games like you just got to win four, you know, Um and 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 I also like the idea of telling letting teams be like, hey, we're not officially out, but we want to start right now, you know. So I I I think that kind of thing because you know a lot of people say tanking is not great, like nobody wants to watch it, but that's a that's a plan that a team like Nashville, if they're rebuilding, that puts people in the seats again in April. That puts people in the seats in March because you're trying to see them win because you want them to win to get it. instead of you see fans like uh, Chicago and Columbus fans seeing their team winning and going crap stop stop doing that don't do that like you need to lose you know and and so i think that's one of those things that will probably never ever happen but you know people say like well don't they don't want to tank because no one's going to want to see it well there's ways to fix that and there's ways to fix the 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 draft thing and there's a way to make the end of the season exciting for teams you know you look at it in the like with the playoffs with the nfl you know when teams are resting all their starters and stuff like nobody wants to see that especially if you're a fan you're like waiting for so long to see this team you know, play like if I would have gone to the Tennessee Titans and Dallas game, you know, Dallas was still playing for something back then, but like Tennessee technically really wasn't, you know, and it showed and and I'd be pissed if that was the only Titans game I got to see if I was a Titans fan. Um, So, you know, it's, it's, 
there's it's a hard it's a business thing i think that's keeping this team where it's at um but it's not going to last and every year it keeps happening this way the fan base is getting more and more disgruntled with it and they're going to start to see the, the 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 reaction from it you know people can deal with a team that they know is going to be bad but to be told a team's going to be good again and then not be good that's harder go preds go preds right <laughs> Go Preds, man. Everything's great. It's also the last thing I'll say on the tanking stuff. That What's different about hockey and tanking is like when you have a good goalie, you just are like this. That's just uh, it's immoral. Like you it's so unethical to put uh, you see through that where you're like this dude's giving it at all and you want to tank. You want to make this guy just deal with slop for the rest of it. Like that's not fair. You have to pull him too. like either trade him or pull him because it's not fair like goalies and tanking is not not fair when you have a good one like what gibson's had to deal with for years in anaheim is, is a felony it should mm-hmm. be illegal what that man has had to deal with year over year uh in anaheim but, but, but at the I don't same know. time he's kind of playing like a, a like backup quarterback role where it's like <laughs> he can kind of just stink and you know yeah. it's not like he's gonna get fired <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true that's very true um well Brian, what can the good folks check out from you across the internet this week? Um, as always, I will be doing the, the post-game videos for Renegades of Puck. Um, so A lot of the good stat of the week stuff. I love checking that out after the game. Yeah, so it's really great. great it's been it's been fun this season, especially when uh, you know I get to do it in coordination with with a stat that I worked with, with Willie on for the broadcast. Uh, that's mm-hmm. been really fun to do, and I've really enjoyed doing that. Um on the forecheck, you should still be able to find anything we're working on right now. Um, if you haven't heard, we've just found out this morning um, that SB Nation Vox Media is going to be demonetizing um, a large majority of the websites, uh, especially in hockey. I think MLS is also getting completely demonetized, which means that the site will still exist, but nobody is getting paid anymore, um, which is rough. You know, for people like me, a lot of the part-time contributors, it's this is our side job, and so it's it's we're gonna be okay. But for people like our site manager Kate, um, the head of all SB Nation hockey, uh, Steph Driver, they got laid off, and this was their primary income. This was their job. Um, and it's it's rough. It's hard to to deal with this type of thing. Again, I'm very, very privileged and lucky that I've got, you know, it's not my primary source of income. Um, but I feel more, I think, just for them and for or for the fans, because, you know, af- we haven't had an athletic writer for so long um, now that, you know, there we don't know what the future holds for us as far as how long we can continue to do it, how long the team will still want to do it. Because honestly, if somebody wants to go off and go get paid, I'm, I'm going to write them a reference letter. You know, it's no problem. Um, so as of right now, we're still alive and they can, they can pry my hockey coverage and my graphs and my stats from my cold dead hands. Um, if they want to let me continue writing on that website with the URL, I'll be there. If not, I'll let you guys know, but, uh, just know that, you know, they've tried to take the team from us in years past. They're trying to take coverage from us. Uh, screw them. So <laughs> uh, please, you know, if reach out to people who, who've who been affected by this, I'm fine. Thank you for all the kind words I've already gotten. But for other people, you know, go out there and support the writers and the people that you see, the people who are creating content that you read, um, especially for people covering things like women's hockey, who are, it's just a small, small percentage of the fan base. But, you know, go out there and support those people because... As you guys know, sports media is a very, very rough and and scary landscape to be find yourself in. And a lot of us have to 
do two or three jobs to be able to continue to do this type of thing. So uh, support the people that you care about, the people you enjoy. They they always appreciate it. And uh, and, you know, again, I'm still doing what I'm doing. I don't plan on changing what I'm doing. Um, I just might be a little bit more cynical about it. <laughs> <laughs> Coming over oh, to man. my lane. Yeah. Cynicism. I, yeah, I mean, just to drop in on that, I worked for SP Nation for a time. It's where I got my start. And just to say, we were saying this before we got on here, but the way that Vox Media has fumbled one of the greatest lineups in the history of sports media covering the last decade. I mean, this is mm -hmm. a long time coming and a lot of different people. The way they fumbled that is just unbelievable. Like the mismanagement there has been incredible. They, if there's anything tough going on financially there, I assume there is with layoffs. I mean, they deserve it. I, and I don't want to say that. I, I don't, I don't mean that. And like people deserve to lose. No, their no, I know what you're but saying. They, they are reaping what they've sowed there and it's a damn shame. So. And if you're the NHL right now, I mean, and you're looking that there's a lot of teams that don't have an NHL writer for the athletic. You're the entire SB Nation network is demonetizing hockey coverage. That's not a good look for the NHL either. Yeah. Now, granted, for the NHL, they're probably not see thinking it that way. They're probably thinking, good, we can get all of our old men newspaper writers back and that's all <laughs> that will matter. But, you know, it's not good business for the NHL, too. And they honestly should be taking a look at like, that's what they're deciding to do is like, that's not a good look for them. You know, it's not, it definitely isn't. And so we'll see, but you know, I do this because I love it. I didn't go to journalism school. I don't have an ounce of, of journalism in my body. I can't, I can't speak or write English very good, uh, but <laughs> it's been a dream to be able to do this. And so, you know, I'm very thankful for the time, you know, with, with SBN, you know, again, when I started, I was just like, I'm just telling people that I work with Spencer Hall. That's all I care about. Like that's, he's my coworker technically. Uh, but that obviously that's not yeah, true. Monty Jones just doing YouTube shorts for them like seven year, eight years ago um, where you're like, what? Like, I just like Charlie said, there's just so many talented folks all across the board, hockey, soccer. I mean, just they had that local coverage where it's like SB Nation, Atlanta, SB Nation, um, mm -hmm. New York. And you had all these like it was just so big. And we were like, you were just Every day, it was the first thing I was checking. Every single day was like, oh, all these new writers that I want to read. Um, that's been the saddest thing, I think, in blogging over the last couple of years is like, just there's so many podcasts now and the blogging has taken the hit where like everybody is starting those shows and I want to, and I feel bad being like the person of like, hey, stop <laughs> creating these podcasts. <laughs> I would much rather read you. Uh, we've got enough um, where we have a dearth of of um options right now is what to read like national there's so many people that want to read predators coverage that mm -hmm. like there has to be a way to financially make this work because it's a big fan base obviously and people want to read it and there's people love reading smart stuff that's what sb nation has always excelled in is just smart sports writing that you would not get from a local newspaper like that was the big difference it oh, was yeah. just different kind of writing that was um, just a joy and a treat to read. Like the Sunday shoot around with Paul Flannery and the NBA season is, was always one of my favorite. It was beautifully done. It was like awesome graphics and it was just, it's great. And you're like, Oh, this is like a modern newspaper almost, uh, the way they, they, they outlined everything. And like Charlie said, fumbled the bag. I hope, uh, for the best for everybody, um, involved in what's going on today. Um, but you know, it's, it just sucks. And like you said, it's just the nature of where we're at and, sports media and just media in general is just day to day you're always walking on eggshells and mm -hmm. that just sucks because 
there should be a way to make all of this work. There should yeah. be. We shouldn't all have to go do our own Substack to make this work. Yeah, I mean, again, like you know, in a in a great in a perfect world, a lot of us, especially some of the really great writers we have on on our team, like they should be doing this full time. You know, yeah. there are several people I know on the team that should be a full time writer covering a team because they're that good. Yeah, and it's they they're not, but they're doing it for because they love to do it, and that's a lot. That's the case for a lot of people, but that puts a lot of people in a risky financial i mean one of the things the my favorite things i ever saw was a tweet that says you know a lot of us have you know a, a lot of people when they're writers and stuff like that you know they meet each other and stuff and they say hey my name's so and so i'm a writer and this is this is so and so this is my wife this is my insurance this is my insurance coverage you know <laughs> like uh, that's that's and that's just kind of how it goes you know it's it's just really no, no. I apologize. Didn't mean to bring it down. I think I brought it down a lot of the time with. No, it. this is this but, is but real. That's also, that's also, you know, Nashville had a choice. They didn't have to have me bring this part of the, the show. I was going to say down. you didn't bring this down. This is not. <laughs> you didn't make this call. Um, this was not a, a you thing. And uh, all the good folks who are part of uh, the layoffs and everything going on today, it's just, it's for lack of a better word, it's just shitty. And yeah. hope for the best. Um, and that everybody lands on their feet and that things get turned around. That's all you yeah, can hope so, for. Yeah, I mean, if, and here's the thing too, is like, you know, if something happens to where like the site doesn't exist anymore or something like that, you're never going to get rid of me, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you're stuck now, buddy. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Charlie, Brian, thank you as always. And I will talk to you all next week. Next Friday. See ya. All right, welcome back, Atlanta Sports guys, here on a Friday afternoon where everything is great in Atlanta Sports. And by everything's great, mm, Atlanta United fans really going through it this week. You know, Joseph Martinez, my family, diehard Atlanta United folks, really, really struggling with the direction. And my dad's already been down in the dumps for years now with Miguel Amaran uh, being gone. Like, that was his dude. Um, any conversation you get into, with my father about soccer he played college soccer um at university of north georgia so he's a big soccer guy and he uh <laughs> he just was so upset and almiron was his dude like he was all in an almiron it hasn't been the same since he left and now uh joseph martinez following him out and he goes to inter milan um, and man what a what a rough situation uh for atlanta united fans they have never been this down in the dumps it's kind of staggering to think about how far they've fallen from how it started versus how it's going right now yeah, I mean, he's going down to Inter Miami, and he's gonna he's gonna. I mean, Inter Miami. Well. I think I said Milan. Yeah, you said Milan. I was like, it's yeah. fine. I wasn't gonna correct you. It was, I know what you meant, but he was. Th- it was to the point. He was. He wasn't the same guy post knee injury. It just. It wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's too expensive and too in taking up too important of a spot as a as a, uh, a designated player. They have mm. three only three of those positions. And he's making a lot of money, and he deserves that money. Uh, I don't don't take that the wrong way, but he's got kind of coming off the bench. Uh, he just wasn't producing in that same level post knee injury, mm. and I think Atlanta United is going to be better for this move. It's a difficult move, but they're going to be better for it. I I, I have a positive long term outlook for the for Atlanta United, just because we have new management coming in. It was the um, his name escapes me off the top of my head, but he he's the old general manager of the Seattle Sounders and, and Sporting KC and everything else. He brings titles to town, and he puts together winning products. 
and I think he's well. This is the best situation he's ever been in. He, he mm. hasn't had pockets this deep uh, in his entire MLS career, and he still won championships. So I'm optimistic for the long term of what this team and this product is going to be on the soccer pitch. But you know, it still sucks losing a guy like Joseph Martinez, a guy who meant so much to the city, a guy who really helped birth soccer culture in this city in a, in a meaningful way. So it's going to hurt at first. And then the, the, the team is going to be better for it. It's kind of been trending away from him anyway. So it was the, the necessary divorce that happens with every athlete seemingly. So sucks for now, but it will be fine. Yeah. Um, we'll see what ultimately happens uh, going into next year, but uh, I guess fingers crossed is all uh, we can do. Make the playoffs, man. They've missed the playoffs two of the last three years. Also, I mean, very interested to see how it goes being only on Apple TV for a full year. Like, all MLS is Apple TV. So, I'm very curious to see what that looks like. Are they going to have regional coverage on Apple TV? Is that? Cause that I'm not sure, but it's I'm going to be a little PO'd if I can't watch Atlanta United matches. No, it's like everybody's on it. So, you can watch. I don't think there's any blackout rules or anything. So, you'll be able to do that. But like it's Sunday ticket style? Yes. But only, imagine it's just only oh. Sunday ticket. That's the only way you can watch the NFL. That's what this is. Like, every single match is uh, only on Apple TV. And it's things. twice a week. They have a set schedule, which is also a big thing. Well, when they buy... Oh, that part's awesome. That yes. part's awesome. Uh, the worst thing is when I... Because I'm a season ticket holder for Atlanta United. Mm-hmm. The worst thing that comes is when it's like it's just a random Thursday or a Tuesday mm-hmm. or some random day. It's like, oh, there's a home match today. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yeah, they got rid of what? that. That was terrible like awful. you would just be like awful are they on right now does it Lenny yeah. not have a game right what one what of the best doing? parts about the nfl well in major league baseball it's happening every day you so mm-hmm. you just assume it's it's on unless yeah. it's not um college football every single saturday mm-hmm. Foot, nfl football every single thursday every single sunday on monday night it, it's consistent mm-hmm. mls it's shooting itself in the foot yeah. um and just it's just one of the necessary things i mean they have to they're, they're always dodging NFL and MLB and everything else. So mm-hmm. I, I get why they're doing what they're doing. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you have to stake your claim at some point. Like this is you're going to have your market and you have to appeal to that market and you have to serve that market. And I don't, I don't think they were doing that with the previous model. But I think once Apple TV, I've heard rumors that they're they're dabbling in EPL soccer as well. Mm. And I think if they bring in the EPL and they're able to combine that package with MLS soccer, that'll expand their reach and the more watchability, um, or these eyeballs mm. on the sport. I think that's good. I mean, MLS soccer is still a decade away, I'd say, if, if, before they actually like compete on a global scale, even in like a micro scale. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. The only I, thing I'm, they I'm is like when they start getting guys in their prime. Like that's just it. Like you have. Well, to they're start. Star- I think they're starting to. I think they're starting yeah. to do that with a, a number of. Pro, like, programs are. I mean, yeah. Inter Miami's about to go get Leo Messi and like Christian uh, Pulisic not being overseas is like something you got to get. Like that cannot happen anymore. Like your best yeah. American born. Well, that was the big thing with Jurgen Klinsmann too. Hmm? Like Jurgen Klinsmann turning over to Bruce Arena. Like everyone yeah. was talking like, oh, you have to. All, all the American players have to play American soccer. He's like, no, I want them to go play in Europe because sure. I'm trying to win. And if you want to win, like right now, which is what he was trying to do, got to play European soccer. So yeah. We'll see. It, it's part of the, but on the flip side, it's like, oh no, we have to grow this product domestically, and mm. it, it's a little bit of give and take, I think. But you know, I, I think MLS soccer is it's on the uptick and it's still growing. And I think by the time 
we're media savants in our mid-50s, MLS soccer is going to be a much bigger deal than it is right now. But we'll see. For sure. Uh, speaking of we'll see, uh, the Falcons' next defensive coordinator, um, Garrett Chapman, a lot of interest in this role, a um, lot of people being rumored. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody Woodruff, or Corey Woodruff of the Falcoholic did a really good piece outlining um, all the different choices that they could go in. You could obviously promote from within with Frank Bush. Frank Bush obviously uh, got a game where he called it against the Saints when Dean Pease was blindsided and hit um, and knocked out of that game. Um, And things were fine uh, by and large in that one. But so you have long-term, he's a long-term guy, obviously was uh, uh, defensive coordinator when the Jets a couple of years ago, um, Texans before that. Like he has a lot of experience, but um, the linebackers have been good too. He's developed pretty well in that regard. So you're happy on that front. Uh, Troy Anderson looked pretty solid, especially towards the end of the year. That man's hits were just vicious, whether it was on special teams or just, uh, balls over the middle. That man, um, hits hard. Uh, yeah. Troy Anderson's going to be a player. I Still think. super raw, super raw. But he has so much more, stuff. more room for development too. That's the craziest thing about him. But that's okay. Cause they have a lot of vets and they're okay on, on that front. But, um, Eagles defensive line coach Tracy Rocker, which I would love a lot. Uh, Titans defensive line coach was just probably my number one pick. Uh, it's a toss-up. I'm going to give my two number one picks based on uh, who's been rumored to this point. So Terrell Williams, because um, you look just what they've done with Jeffrey Simmons and that mm-hmm. defensive line over the last couple of years in Tennessee, and obviously there's a lot of overlap uh, with Arthur Smith and the staff in Tennessee. Like That would be a huge get um, and an elevation for him, go from defensive line to calling plays. And then DeShade Townsend. Uh, the Jaguars passing game coordinator and CB's coach. Jags have been great. Um, there is some history. They've crossed paths a little bit um, over the years, but that's those are probably my top two. Brian Flores is off, has interviewed two. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think Flores is going to take this one. Um, could be Why? wrong, but I would be surprised uh, if he were to uh, take the Atlanta DC job. We'll see, but <clears throat> I don't know. I uh, Of all the names, who, who fascinates you the most, uh, Garrett? The person who you finished with, Brian Flores, that's really? someone, yeah, he's he's a strong defensive coach. He has a very colorful background when it comes to that, like developing players, and, and he's coming from the Pittsburgh Steelers, and generally speaking, mm. even if it's just a year in that system, I mean, I think that's a great position for him to be in, and if he wants to see a bigger role, I think, why not the Falcons? Uh, my concern with guys like that, so it's like I was going through this list, and like you have guys like Lovey Smith and Brian Flores and Vic Fangio. Those are all guys who, maybe not Vic Fangio, but the 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 two guys before that, those mm. are guys who are probably going to go be head coaches very soon. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, are we are we just trying to put a band aid on this until we get our long term guy? I mean, I know it's the NFL, and that this is just the nature of the sport, where it's like there's a lot of turnover, and that's just the way it is. But I kind of want to have a situation where. The Atlanta Falcons are set up in a situation that they have the same defensive coordinator for the next couple of years. Mm. And I think that kind of needs to go into the, the thought process because just how raw and how open this team is, it's going to be a lot of transition this year. And I, I think if we're going to go to a Vic Fangio or something like that, I know commitments only matter so much, I guess, but I want to see this guy in this role for the next three years, maybe four years, five years. And that's obviously a goal. Maybe it's not realistic, but has got to be one of my drawbacks with a guy like Brian Flores, who I think is at the first opportunity, he's going to go be a head coach. Because I think 
as he should. As he should. As he should. And I'm not. I'm not going to try and say that he shouldn't do do that. But look, for the long term outlook of the Atlanta Falcons, that's what I'm concerned with. And I want a guy who's going to be here long term and well, long term NFL NFL style. But like Jim Schwartz is already off the list. He's mm-hmm. the the first guy who's, who's gone and taken a job up in Cleveland. He's a bigger name. I think he's a great defensive coordinator. He's going to go be a very good up there in Cleveland. But Vic Fangio is really the guy that I want to see on this team. Mm. I don't think he's going to sign with the Atlanta Falcons because I think he's going to go wherever Sean Payton goes. Yeah. Uh, just because. It's a better system for him. It's more set Even, up. And he can come in and just reset. I've read that. <clears throat> but the problem with that is I think it's going to depend on where Sean ends up. Because you know where he's not going to go? Back to Denver. And if Sean Payton goes no. to Denver, like that's not a package deal. There's no way Vic Fangio is going back to Denver after getting fired there. No, no. And I think that's the only scenario in which he would come to Atlanta. I mean, how many jobs, how many job openings are there right now for defensive coordinator? I mean, I knew there were a bunch Vikings, for offensive coordinator. The um, Dolphins, Vikings. <clears throat> um, who else is open? Broncos. Broncos. Was that uh, four? Five for Falcons? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I guess Cardinals technically, um, Panthers technically. That's not technically it is. Well, no, because it might just they might just promote D. Wilkes, and uh, if they Could. do that, they. That's at uh, seven. I mean, yeah. of those, I'd say that the Falcons are in fine situation for all of those, considering the fact that they have so much cap space and they can they have an opportunity to come in and mold the team day one. Mm. And if they take that job, I think the Atlanta Falcons are a very attractive position. Because you have, a, you have an offense that plays a kind of style that I think a defensive coordinator would really like. It's that sort agree. of ball control, yeah. and, and they'll run out the clock, and, and long possessions. We play Kentucky football. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> That's kind 100% of, I guess. what we do. Yeah, not exactly the, the last couple of years, but like the last, most of the years. But the last year or so, that not as much. But they're a little bit more high-flying. One mm-hmm. of the reasons why they didn't win as many games this year. But... That's why they're um, in a lot of games. It's because they're ball control and they don't make mistakes. They don't throw picks. They're just. But like, they did whatever. make mistakes. That was the problem this year. Yeah. That was- um, that's a different conversation, I guess, with Will Levis and everything. Draft conversation, which we can have, just not this second. But I be look, I think that, I think the Atlanta Falcons are an attractive option for most defensive coordinators, just for those options, just for those reasons. You have an mm. offense that plays complementary football uh, to what they want to do in defense, and I look, you have a lot of money. You have a lot of draft capital, too. You can form, and there are a lot of young pieces on this team that you can build around. So I think the Falcons are a very attractive place. So it's like, if, if we if we can go get one of those guys, I think, why wouldn't they want to come here? That's fair. Um, I'm curious to see which one they ultimately go with. Who do you, Who's your gut tell you? Because my gut says, you're not going to like this, my gut says they're just going to promote Frank Bush. I don't but, see I don't see an internal promotion. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. It, yeah. Like, look, he has... If they want to keep the continuity, fine. I, I just want to bring in someone who's a little bit more experienced. Mm-hmm. You know, like Frank Bush. Yeah, he. I mean, he hasn't been a defensive coordinator in twelve years, a decade, mm-hmm. really. Um, I know he was an interim defensive coordinator for the Jets, but I mean, a full time two years with the Texans. It's been a, over a decade, um, and that's really his only experience. So, I just want to see some guy who's like a Vic. I, I want Vic Fangio. That's who I want. I, I think that's just because he has, he carries a lot of respect in the NFL. A lot of people really like him. He has that relationship already in place with a lot of people in the staff, and he's really good. 
you know? And it, like DDP's talked about changing a culture, and I think that if you continue and bring in a guy who's well-respected across the league, like Vic Fangio, then I think that's just check marks across the board. And if he's available and he's willing to come here, take him. I want Terrell Williams. Uh, I just love the what he's done with Jeffrey Simmons and company in Tennessee. Like that defensive line's been nasty, and I just I want a defensive line promotion where it's just bring in someone who their bread and butter is defensive line because I am so dang tired of year in year out being like, are we gonna what are we gonna do to fix this defensive line? Like what are we, what are we gonna do here? Uh, so that's where I would go. I would go defensive line and somewhere in that. Maybe that's Rocker. Maybe that's Williams. I don't know. I like that. I'm fine I'm with that. that. Your reasoning is sound. Like, look, this has been a rocky road when it comes to defensive line play. So, look, if they can elevate that, fine. I'll take that. But, I, I mean, at the same time, just go get a, a competent defensive line coach, which I think last year the defensive line, I think, took a step forward. I think mm-hmm. it was a it was a better defensive line at least than it had been, which isn't, I guess, saying much. But it was competent. Take one, Graham, Grady Jarrett. I mean, those two guys are good. Like it was good players. That's how sad it is. It's like they weren't abysmal, but they weren't good. Like this was not a good defensive line. Take you when he was healthy. When Take one, Graham was healthy. I mean, he was playing well. He's fine. Yeah, I mean, he's a starter. He's not like a stud, but well, I won't go there. (laughs) I was at that game. That was Um, a tough game. Speaking of places I don't want to go, you know what's picked up a lot of steam over the last couple weeks? Like, Friend of the Pod, Jared Bailey, did a video on this, and a lot of people are pushing this, of, like, Lamar Jackson makes sense for for the Falcons. Lamar Jackson does not make sense for the Falcons. And I am going to lose my mind if this is a year-over-year situation where the Falcons, like, dip their toes into the veteran quarterback market and are like, hey, we're going to – we're talking. We're going to see what we can do here. Um, Garrett, would you like to guess how many of the final eight – NFL teams still alive in the playoffs um, did not draft their quarterback? Of the final eight. How many have a quarterback they did not draft? I think they all drafted him. They did all draft him. All eight were drafted by their own team. This yeah, is well, the not Super Bowl champion do- last year traded for him. Yeah. It's not unheard of. It's not I unheard mean, of. It's, a, it's also not a very good track record. Generally, no. you want the same guy in, in the system who's been there, and then you compete more with a guy with a rookie. Yeah. I mean, they can afford him. Will mm-hmm. he make this team more exciting? Yes. Will he make this team better? Yes. Would this team be a playoff team with Lamar Jackson? Yes. They might be a playoff team without him just because the AFC but South hold, is going to no, be so hold, bad. Hold, hold, hold. Yeah, but that was my next part. <laughs> okay. You're a playoff team without him. Mm-hmm. You have too many holes. Mm-hmm. Go plug those holes and figure the rest out. Desmond Ritter is good enough. Mm. He's good enough. But he's also good enough to that point where Lamar Jackson has not largely been unhealthy for the majority of his career. At least, at least. well, I don't, I don't know if he's ever played a full 16 games. I think he might have. Maybe he did when he was a rookie. But that's just because he was playing. He was supplementing Joe Flacco. Mm. I don't think he's been healthy for a full 16 games scheduled, 17 now. And I'm not too thrilled with that. If I'm going to be paying him $45 million every single year, not very thrilled with the idea that he's not going to be healthy. And that was on the young half of his career. And it's only going to get worse as it goes along. Not thrilled with that idea. However, if you have a guy like Desmond Ritter coming in and, and 
replacing him off the bench and spot starts, he'd be the best, one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. But I don't think they drafted him for that reason. I think they drafted him to see what he can do as a starter. And I think he showed me enough at the last half of the last year, the last four games or whatever and change that he played. I think I saw enough. I want him. I want him to be the starter, and I want them to supplement the other positions on the field because you know having a, a competent defense would be kind of nice in Atlanta for a change. That would be a nice change. Um, I just Lamar Jackson. I'm just not in. Like I just. I also don't think they're going to move him. Like he. I saw this week that he's involved in the offensive coordinator search um, for Baltimore. He's going to be in Baltimore. I, he's not getting out of Baltimore. No. They'll franchise tag him and he'll sign it if he doesn't show up. Let him deal. Let them deal with that problem. I I don't want that problem here in Atlanta. I just don't want to deal with it. We've We're got not a guy. quarterback away right now. Like that's the other part of yeah. it. It's just they're go not a quarterback away. The New York Jets can go do this. I mean, yeah. the Cleveland Browns thought they were a quarterback away, and they missed the playoffs. And also, Deshaun was not good. He looked bad, like objectively bad. Hate to see and it. And he looked rusty. I think he'll come back. And he'll be fine next year. But let's hope not. <laughs> we'll we'll save that part. But. Look, I, I think if he, if he's going to get traded, Atlanta's going to be in the market for him. It's Arthur Blank. He's a sexy player who's just he does a lot of things and he's fun to watch and he'll sell tickets and uniforms, whatever. Mm. He'll go to New York. I think New York will pay more to go get him. They'll send a small fortune, King's ransom, for Lamar Jackson. Is something I don't I don't think that the Falcons are going to want to match if uh, they know it's good for them. But. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would tend to agree. I don't. I just. I'm not really worried about it. I don't think they're going to go down that. I don't road. think it's going to go that far. No, but I, I said the same they... thing about the Deshaun Watson thing. So, which he was all but a Falcon. He would effectively signed the con. The only thing he hadn't done is signed the contract. Man, well, lucked out there. Um, yeah, for real. Also, I just. I think Ritter showed enough. He got better week over week, and I think yeah. it's enough. Where, like I said in the group chat with. Uh, uh, our our friend friend of yesteryear Max Markovich um, about the just he's our Alex Smith like I don't think Desmond Ritter is ever going to be a top five quarterback I don't think he ever has that kind of like what we're seeing in the AFC with Lawrence Joe Burrow Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes being the final four like Ritter's never going to be that guy like I don't think we it's just not there I don't he's think Jimmy he's Jimmy Garoppolo pop. that's fine yeah I mean I even think he can be better than that like I think because well can move Alex Smith a bit more. Alex Smith also was a number one overall pick. Jimmy Garoppolo is quite literally overall anymore. Like I think huh? if he we if we did that draft now, like I don't know. Like I don't know if where Alex Smith goes in like a redraft or like based on what we saw from him at Utah. What we know about quarterbacks oh, now, I don't know if he's go still number, number one, one overall. overall. But I mean, he was also drafted for potential and then had five different co- offensive coordinators. Yeah, he was kind of five ruined years. Early he got ruined, and then he goes and gets Andy Reid and has a resurgence. And well, really, too, like, Jim, moved Jim, on Jim Harbaugh they added. Um, he won a bunch of regular season games and like, like oh he can't win the big one and it's like well it's just bites the apple like you there it's just if he kept if he was still the Chiefs quarterback all these years later they would have still would have gotten one with Alex Smith like, they would have won a Super Bowl right like Nick Foles won a Super Bowl like get hot <clears> like things happen like I just I think you can win a Super Bowl with Desmond Ritter as your quarterback I think he's smart enough he's ball control I think he'll have a good completion percentage I think he's just he's older I think he is just he won everywhere he's been he's a pro. Yeah, like I just—he's a pro. I'm fine I want with that. Desmond Ritter to get the full shot, and I want to surround Desmond Ritter with a just a high octane offense, run first mentality, great offensive line, 
and just kick the shit out of people week in, week out. Like, that is what I want um, this Falcons team to be. And I think they still just have a lot of work to do on the defensive line. I think they have a lot of work to do in the secondary. And I think they have a lot of work to do um, at wide out, like, which is kind of wild to think. But Calvin Ridley is going to be playing with Trevor Lawrence next year. And there was a lot of eliminated Zakia still uh, on this Falcons roster this year. And it's just Drake London, home run, great player. He's going to be fun to watch for years. Kyle Pitts, we're now starting to wonder, like, what's this going to look like? But he's still a guy. When he I don't comes know, back I just, healthy, I think we're going to have a different opinion of him. We I have a so. guy. Look, people thought that Drake London was verging on bust year one, which obviously wild overreaction. Because mm-hmm. once you plug in Desmond Ritter, a guy who's actually going to throw the ball down the field, uh, unlike uh, the other guy who will remain nameless. <laughs> this guy throws the ball down the field, and he hits his targets more often than not. And I think we saw a massive improvement from Drake London. And I think it's the same thing that we're going to see from an uber-talented Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. This Falcons offense, I think, I don't think they, they may draft a guy. I know I've done a lot of those mock drafts. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a, like one of the, that, that fell out of, like a Zay Flowers if he drops from Boston College. Maybe if there's a the, the kid out of SMU, if he drops to maybe the third round ideal scenario for the Atlanta Falcons go get like a future playmaker another young guy mm-hmm. supplement him with Alameda Zacchaeus who's a very strong number three option as far as wideouts go stick him in the slot I think then then you have an offense right there that's that's a full-fledged offense and maybe go get like a veteran center out on the market I don't know who it's centers or offensive linemen are out there for free agency they might but need a right tackle no he'll get franchise tagged do you think so? I'm, I'm confident that Caleb McGarry is going to get a franchise tag Okay. I think that that just makes too much sense. And mm. I think Terry Fontenot is, he thinks with his head a little bit more than Thomas Dimitrov does or did. Mm. And he'll, that's the logical decision. I think prove it one more time. He was very good this year. And at least according to his previous years, comparing comparatively speaking, mm. Lindstrom's about to get the bag. Uh, Jake Matthews just restructured his deal to open up some money. He's going to be the left tackle. Caleb and Gary is going to get the franchise tag. Left guard, Elijah Wilkinson showed me enough that he, if he can stay healthy, that's fine. Maybe they go draft a center guard combo, uh, somebody who can play both positions, and maybe go get another veteran, and mm. that's your center and guard situation. Falcons are pretty much, at that point, set on offense. Now that you just funnel money and draft capital into the defense. I think that's a, that's a winning scenario right there. And the, the Atlanta Falcons can flip from... If they won seven games with this roster... I'm confident they can win 10 to 11 games next year, especially hmm. in this NFC South. It, with all the turmoil that's going on down here, they can win 10 or 11 games next year and, and push their way into the playoffs. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if they'll advance past like a wild card weekend or anything like that. I, I'm not going to go that far. I'm not, I just, we got to see what they do this off season, like, and who they draft. Yeah, well, like, yeah, I, of I'm course. just not, I don't know. We'll see. They could, they could, they could, they have a lot of money to spend. Yes. Like, that's a lot of money. Sometimes that kind of money goes to your head and then you start overpaying for a Jadavian clowny or something and pay him too much money. Then mm. like, would it surprise me if clowny comes plays plays in Atlanta? No, it would surprise I don't know what me. that would cost, but we'll see. Would he, it surprise really me? really quit. No. Like there was some really weird stuff that happened at the end of his... It was a weird situation that I came don't know out if I want Jadavian Clowney. But that's also... He's played so much losing football. He's been on so many bad football teams that... I don't even know if I want him, truthfully, because he's a superstar talent who has been on losing teams and yeah. has been a negative influence in a lot of places. And I'm not going to go that far to say he's the, he's the problem or whatever, but 
sometimes when you bring in that sort of mentality, it doesn't. That's like really a last resort for me. Like if we miss on, we whip on some other bigger <laughs> names, then it's like, all right, we'll circle back with Jadavian Clowney. Um, I don't know. One, I'm interested to see where they go. One thing I money. will say that this is this is the most important two year stretch, at least since 2007, 2008. Hmm. The way I'm looking at it, because you have 2007 was a transformational year for better or for worse. You lose mm-hmm. Mike Vick, Bobby Petrino bolts for Arkansas. I mean, we saw what happened there. It was a dumpster fire. Year two, you go get your quarterback, you get your head coach, you get a running back, competent offensive offense with Roddy White on the outside. They look very good. They go to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now this year, last year, you last offseason, I should say, Matt Ryan, we, we separate with him. We eat all of those bad contracts, absorb it. Still, they won seven games. That's the difference. You have mm-hmm. your head coach already in place. You have a quarterback already in place. But you have all this money. You have all this draft capital. You have five picks within your first 113. It's pretty important. And lots of potential this year. And I think that this is a playoff team next year. I think it can be depending on the moves that they make. Hmm. But I'm optimistic. I am too. I, I think they're moving in the right direction. I'm I'm okay. Like I'm not freaking out about where they're going. Um, I, I feel better pretty- about them than I do the rest of the NFC South. I'll tell you that much. Absolutely. I'll guarantee you that. Um, the Braves offseason, uh, kind of wrapping up here with uh, pitchers and catchers reporting very soon. 20 days. 20 days. Um, three more offseason predictions, though, from Chase Earl over at Sports Talk ATL that I wanted to run by you. So his three, and I want you to tell me which ones you think is most likely to least likely for you. Ian Anderson wins, wins the fifth and final spot in the rotation. The Braves try Von Grissom out in left field. And the Braves at least make one more meaningful signing. How would you rank those three? What do you think is the most likely to least likely? Um, define meaningful. I guess it's probably like another starter... Or they address left field and make a trade where they're like, we're we're doing something else. We're not running it back with Ozuna and Rosario as a, as an option. We're not just going with Kevin Pillar on a minor league deal and yeah. whoever the other guy they signed. Um, all three would not surprise me, truthfully. Um, I could see all three potentially happening. I kind of like Von Grisham in left field more than I do at shortstop. So just, what do you do at shortstop if that happens? But that's the that's the thing. And I think he's capable of playing shortstop. If he's capable of doing it, there's no other real option. At least Eddie Rosario can play competent defense sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, you can't put Ozuna out in the field anymore. Like, he is a full-time no, he's a, no, no. That has been an unmitigated disaster <laughs> for the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but cutting him would also be a meaningful thing, you know? Like, you did you say signing, or was it, like, a meaningful move? Uh, meaningful signing. Okay, well, I guess I wouldn't count there. But none of them would surprise me. Ian Anderson, I could actually see. I would be very surprised if he doesn't make that fifth spot. I would actually go Wait, on really? the other, other side of that. Yeah. Over Bryce? I mean, yeah. No, I hmm. would. No, I'd, I'd be a little surprised. I, give me a little hesitation there for a second. But, no... Soroka doesn't let's start not forget, in that scenario let, too. Yeah, well, I, I'm I will believe Soroka when I see it. Like that's mm-hmm. just where I am. Um, would I love to see Mike Soroka? No question. I would love mm-hmm. to see Mike Soroka. Ian Anderson also has World Series starts under his belt. He has meaningful postseason experience. He is a veteran's veteran at this point. He is 
young, has so much potential still. People think that we've seen the most of like the, the max of what Ian Anderson can do. I'm not convinced that we have. I think hmm. he's an elite number five. Maybe he is a solid number three. Because we saw that at times. We saw what he could be. Mm-hmm. And I think he just got into his head a little bit too much. And he just needed to hit the reset button. We'll see how he reacts to that. Because pitching is so ment- mentally based. There's so much that goes into that. Just your confidence. My concern when he got sent down was that it was going to rattle him a little too much. Hmm. Um, and he, ne- he was never going to come back. Well, he never came back. And that concerned me a little bit. Uh but he hit the reset button. He's been at Wake Forest all offseason pitching and, and trying to hit the reset button on everything and, and his confidence, his mechanics, everything else. I think he's doing the right things. I'd be very surprised just based off of the fact that he already has all that experience. He was on the opening day roster last year. He was on the World Series roster the year before that. So I'd be very surprised if he wasn't in this rotation to start the year. Will he stay there? That's a different question. Uh Will he start there? I think he will. I wonder, too, who's in the best interest as the starter, as that fifth guy? Like, of the three, who do you think it helps the Braves the most if they win this job of those three? Anderson, Bryce, or... Bryce Elder, uh, see, Bryce Elder, um, Ian Anderson, and Mike Soroka. Yeah, who do you think benefits the Braves the most if they win the the fifth spot in spring training? Mike Soroka. Hmm. Just because. If Mike Soroka comes out and wins that job, that means... He's finally back. Right. Uh, and that and, rotation is pretty nasty. And then all of a sudden, like he is he's he was the best pitcher on that staff standing yeah. next to Max Fried. He was the best pitcher on that staff. And that was a gut wrenching loss when that when this team lost Mike Soroka. Mm. Him coming back and if he's able if, if he's able to replicate what he was doing, that's similar I'm not gonna compare it like to like. That's like when Ronald Acuna is gonna be coming back this year. Mm-hmm. And he's going to come in and make it an immediate dominant impact. I think Ronald Acuna is going to have a resurgent year this year, assuming that he trusts that that knee. The Atlanta Braves will be better this year if Ronald Acuna regresses to what he actually is. Hmm. Uh, Ozzie Albie's coming back to this lineup. I think this Braves team is going to be very good, but I'm, I'm getting kind of sidetracked here. Mike Soroka, though, I, I would compare his comeback to that of Ronald Acuna. Hmm. Whereas he's an extremely talented player who is still not at his max capacity. And we, we'd seen flashes of it at times. And he's a Cy Young-level pitcher. We saw that from him. He was still young. He was still really raw. What is he, still 24 years old? 25 years old? He has the whole, like, his <laughs> ceiling is way up here. So if he comes back and wins that five spot, I'd be very, very happy with that. I um, <clears throat> I think if... Ian Anderson wins, then you're you're in some trouble. Like I think they probably want trouble. Him to I wouldn't say trouble. I mean, it just means that Soroka's not right, and you probably have to okay. the ship has sailed there. And then you're like, okay, Bryce is probably not a guy, and we probably have to move on from him. He's in that Colby Allard spot where he's like an odd man out. Where it's like, if it's yeah. not now, it's not probably not going to happen for Bryce. Um, I don't know. My gut says Bryce wins it though, of the three. <laughs> yeah, if if Bryce if Bryce Elder wins it, I will be probably the most discouraged hmm. he's a good pitcher ah. also should they i don't think ha- he has a long-term future with the atlanta braves would you hate it if they brought in mike Miner? he's still out there a reunion with yeah mike lefty yeah i mean uh i'm not the NL great. Charlie Morton against- is the only vet really and charlie morton was 
um, not himself last year. I, I actually had a uh, we had a we had a conversation with Alex Anthopoulos um, mm. in November after, well after the season obviously ended, uh, and he had a very interesting explanation for that decision. Mm-hmm. It's basically they're just buying out his option year and extending it. That's essentially all it was. So it wasn't really a difference from anything mm-hmm. else as like a, a, a money standpoint. So that part made me feel a little bit better. Part two was if you look at his best seasons, it's mm-hmm. when he has a full off season to prepare. So like he has the he goes through the full situation where he rests, he gears up. He gets going and then he, he hits full full go by the time opening day comes around. Mm. He hasn't been able to do that. The two years that he struggled, 2020, obviously you have COVID and everything else, and they shut everything down. And then last year, after he's coming off of the broken leg, mm. when he is not having to deal with all of those issues and those constraints, dude is an elite number two. He's a top end pitcher. And I, I was not he still has he still has the swing and miss capabilities. We saw that. In the second half of the season, once he was actually able to get ramped up and fully in to, to pitching mode, he still has swing and miss. And I think that that's really all you need from him on a game-to-game basis. He lacked the consistency that I really wanted to see, and that's why I'm a little nervous on the deal. But it, it did confirm a, a few things to me that, well, Alex Anthopoulos knows what he's doing here, and he knows why he made that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to defer to Alex Anthopoulos pretty universally. Um, it's a lot of money and I, I would have liked to have seen that some of that money go elsewhere, like left field or maybe mm-hmm. shortstop. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, if you have a guy who can come in and be a steady everyday pitcher every five days, I, I think that's a very valuable thing to have. A guy who can go six innings, maybe seven. That's very important for this team. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I wonder if that's, if they're done and if it, does go awry they just wait it out and they see what how this just goes um in spring training and then they'll address it depending on how everybody looks so i think that's something to monitor at the at the very least um last thing on the hawks so the hawks have a winning streak um they (laughs) healthy hawks man i told you they got a run in them the healthy hawks and look they uh it's so interesting because jalen johnson obviously not uh not in the rotation right now and mm-hmm. uh watching oh my goodness who were the oh the maps um earlier this week and <laughs> poor deandre hunter um just no answer for luka Doncic. like luka was doing some just ridiculous stuff to deandre hunter in the first quarter of that game where i think luka had like 16 or something but like 19. i was just uh yeah and i was just yeah. only watching deandre and luka and i'm like this is DeAndre's not a small dude, and Luca just makes him look like uh, a cornerback on a on an, a left tackle. Like it's just not really fair what Luca was that's, doing. To him. That's a little unfair. That's a little unfair. Go back and look at it. DeAndre it's, looks uh, just like a tall toothpick next to Luca, and it's just he has no chance keeping up with him. Um, and then Luca doesn't score. I think in the second quarter, and they figured some stuff out. But Who did they put on him in the second quarter. It was, was still, that when they put Bogey. No, it was uh, Capella, I think. It was either, I think Capella was on Luca a bunch in the second they quarter. They switched something up. It's like, I, I was like following I swear Brad Capella Roland was, was, Brad Roland was live tweeting, mm-hmm. and like they changed up some, 
some of the defensive formations and they would push up to try and mm. stop the like the, the, when they were pushing into the paint they'd yeah. have john collins push up and like and like the, i don't know what exactly it was they explained all of it but yeah they made a tr- they made a defensive change right. in the middle of the game you Which know is coaching nice. that was nice um, <laughs> and, it, and it worked they're playing really good basketball and like i said in the group chat where this is like i don't i'm not saying they're gonna be the celtics of last year but when the hawks have their eight they are a really good basketball team when they have their eight, when we don't have to play the holidays, when we don't have to play Jalen Johnson, when you don't have to play anyone else other than John Collins, Anyeka Nkongwu, who is playing out of his mind and has really blossomed over the last uh, week or so without Capella and Capella coming off the bench, and it's actually been better. Um, and Trey and Anyeka's chemistry has gotten a lot better, too. Uh, their pick and roll has been fantastic. It's just, and Yek is just more active um, than Capella at this point. And also will conserve Capella a lot more if he's a bench guy and he's not asked to do as much as he was having to do mm. uh, before Inyeka was starting to break out here. But it's Inyeka, JC, DeAndre, um, De, uh, De, DeJounte, Trey, Bogey, uh, AJ, and uh, that's it. And Capella. When you have those eight and you just mix and match who's on the floor of those eight, it's a great thing when like you can stagger DeJounte and Trey and Bogey's the only guy that you're staggering in there because Dylan Wright's gone um, and Aaron Holiday is just not uh, <laughs> he's just not good um, the holidays are just not good and borderline unplayable and you you look at it and you're like this all works AJ Griffin is a home run draft pick like he is a really really good player Green his slam. jumper is so smooth he is a player like you I mean, I'm not saying he should start, but I'm also we're getting to that point where I'm like, are we sure he doesn't belong? Because he it takes him a while to enter the game, and you're like, the offense was working against Dallas, so that didn't bother me as much. But I wonder if at a certain point, because the offense has not been great all year long, that like AJ is the offense is just better when he's in the game, and he's a great shooter all over the court, um, and he's just he's great. I'm I'm all in on AJ Griffin, but. Winstreak, uh, what's been the biggest change for you, uh, Garrett? <laughs> um, they're in the second half of the season, officially. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that? Four games ago that they uh, entered the second half of the season? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're officially 4-0 in the second half. It's nice. Um, it's, it is the most consistently irritating theme with the Atlanta Hawks, just because they decide that they want to play good basketball in the second half of seasons. They've done it the la- now assuming that this holds mm. the last three years in a row, um, they play their best basketball. The part that makes me feel a little bit better is the fact that they didn't play bad basketball in the first mm. half. They were just average. Last year, they were objectively terrible in the first half of the season. This year, they were just average, and they have a, a very strong launching point. Mm. And I think on against against the, the Mavs on Wednesday, we really you, you, you hinted at it where you kind of said it. They had their eight man, mm. and we saw a playoff game. Like that's what the playoff rotation would look like. Mm. And kudos to Jalen Johnson for he kind of had to come in and, and play a couple of a uh, a couple more minutes than I think Nate McMillan was really expecting, mm. just due to the the foul trouble that DeAndre Hunter was getting into. But kudos to him; he came in and played well. Um, wasn't magnificent, but he was good, uh, especially when he's coming in cold and the way that it just sort of happened. I mean, yeah, look, good. It was good enough, and the way the Hawks battled through that third quarter, tough third quarter, Whistle was not their friend in this game. DeAndre Hunter battled through foul trouble. 
I don't think it was quite as pronounced as the way you saw it, but it's like, look, you're playing Luka Doncic. He's probably one of the best players in the NBA right now, mm-hmm. uh, if not the best, as far as like how he's playing right now. Was so he a hawk? You play, you play like a, you play a guy like that. He's gonna, he's gonna make you look silly more often than not. Uh, the way he was able to kind of reset on Luca and play better basketball, kudos to him for that. I'll, I'll look at the positive there. Like DeAndre Hunter as a whole, I mean, he's been better. He hasn't been as good as what I wanted to see at times this year. Uh, but for the most part, he's doing what we need him to do. Like he's playing three and he's playing the four defensively, effectively. Um, he's largely average when he's shooting the basketball, which is all I want from him. I need him to stop turning the ball over so much. But then after that, it's it's like he's, he's been pretty good outside of that. I mean, he's justified that contract. Mm. And he's been healthy. He's healthy. He's third on the Hawks in minutes played. Mm. I, I will take that all the way. I, I, no question about it. Because the best ability, especially for DeAndre Hunter, is availability. Mm. And for the most part, in his career, he hasn't been available. Yeah, He has this year. And he's shown that he is a largely above-average player on offense and a solid player on defense. Fine. That's good for me. Because when I have two ball-dominant guys like DeJounte and Trey, catch the ball, Mm -hmm. shoot the ball, make your shot. That's all I want on offense from him. And I'm seeing that. So I'm happy. But I, I, I liked what I saw. I think that this is a big game. Tonight against the Knicks, mm-hmm. um, the Hornets tomorrow. My question really comes down to: Is Bogey going to be healthy? Um, he's played what nineteen consecutive minutes at one point in the second half. We'll see how that goes here in this game. I think he's going to miss one of those games, so I think we'll see a little bit more Jalen Johnson as ever as they kind of push the lineups around. It's that or it's the holidays. So I know you're not happy with that, any of those options, but I'll take Jalen Johnson and his development over any of the holiday brothers but you know who i would take dylan wright <laughs> yeah well well we've we seen that one also trey yeah i want to see if trey's gonna play i don't know if trey's gonna play both nights of this back-to-back i i would imagine he plays tonight mm-hmm. against the knicks because he loves playing the Knicks, yeah. and then he's not gonna play tomorrow in atlanta or in new york tonight both are in atlanta okay. yeah i was gonna buy tickets but then they're like six what are they wearing tonight do you know what uniform no, I don't know. Okay. Hmm. They're all good. I don't know if they're wearing the peach one, the peach date night, or it's a... We'll see. Um, yeah, I think the thing, too, is just I don't know who gets moved to this group. Like, I don't... I guess it's John Collins is still the only one who makes sense uh, to get moved, and I don't know what his value is right now, because everyone's value around the league is skewed, where you see, like, the Spurs want two first-round picks for Jakob Pertl, and you're like, all right, um... When you look at just what teams are asking for just rotation guys all around uh, the league, you're like, I just, the market's not real right now. So I don't know what it will ultimately cost, but I have two trades and I want you to tell me which one do you think you would prefer? Crowder for Collins, straight up. Like, that's just one, just a swap. Um, gives Phoenix help. Makes sense for both sides, I think. The other one, though, that I think intrigues me more, that I think actually would help the Hawks a lot more, to two for one. The Wizards are just. They're not going to be a playing team. You're going to say Kyle Kuzma, aren't you? I'm going to say Kyle Kuzma and my old friend, Dellen Wright. Like, that, the salaries work. So, I would flip John Collins for those two. Kyle Kuzma, um, I think he only got one more year on his deal up to this. Dellen Wright, obviously a bunch of success with this team last year. He's kind of bogey insurance with the injury stuff there. 
there could be our lineups where Max, this is his dream scenario of DeJounte and Dellen Wright sharing a backcourt together for stretches of games. We're just that would be fun. That's my trade. Is I want Kuzma and Dellen Wright for uh, John Collins. The shooting with Kuzma and the spacing, I think, will be better. You have to do something about the offense because the offense is not good enough right now. Um, yeah. As currently controlled. How is he defensively? Uh, not great. But when you have DeJounte and DeAndre and Inyeka on the floor. You'd need you'd need Inyeka and Clint Capella to step up, but you'd have a lot more speed. Honestly, that kind of makes sense. You don't hate that, right? You'd have a nine-man. You have to push to a nine-man rotation. Yeah, but I would do that. And also, it, it might be an eight because someone gets injured. Yeah. I don't hate that. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't realize his numbers from three were this good. I'm telling you, this is the trade. I think if you're... 34%? Yeah. If you're the Hawks, this is the trade. I mean, he's not going to get that much volume. He's not going to get... He's not getting seven and a half shots a game. No, but... <laughs> I, can, I can guarantee you he's that not going to be is fine but playing, like, moving the look, corner. if he takes five... Yeah. If he takes five... Three corner threes a night. Like, look, actually, if you look, I'm looking at his numbers right now. When he averages five and a half, mm-hmm. he has 37, 36.6%. Uh, five and a half, thirty-six percent, and thirty-four point one percent. Fine, I'm good with that. If he averages five five threes a game, mm-hmm. that's pretty good, actually. Yeah, you know that it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense, but I don't know. You 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 definitely downgrade at the power forward position. It's a downgrade in the scheme. But the thing is, it might make more sense within the flow of this offense. Yeah. And I think Kuzma's more- because I think one of the biggest things we've seen specifically from John Collins in this team, mm-hmm. they're four and zero, and John Collins is hitting his shots. Mm-hmm. So, is there a confidence that this is the John Collins that we're going to have, which may happen? I kind of do want to see an, another depth point guard, like a true point guard, mm-hmm. like Dylan Wright. Dylan Wright. That that trade actually makes a lot of sense to me. I think it makes sense to me. You downgrade at power forward, but you he fits the offense a little bit. Yeah, all right. You're in. You've convinced I've me. I've talked you through this. Yeah, and does the money work? Yes. Okay. It's my favorite trade machine move. That's what I do. And I also think John would like it because John would be partnered with Bradley the Beal. One. And it's those two. Like, two. He's the number two there. Clear number two. Him and Porzingis yep. actually would not be a terrible fit, I don't think. As a front court duo, I think that they would mix and match. I think he'd be, be okay. okay. <clears throat> I think that actually makes too much sense. So he went to Wake. There's no way it happened. North Carolina, not far from uh, Virginia. I don't know. That's my move. If I'm, uh, it makes sense. Fields. It makes sense. We think through it. Yeah. I didn't realize he was this crazy on offense. He's up to 21 points a game this year. I'm telling you. I mean, his usage is. He's got a lot of height. What's his usage rate though? Where do I find that? Where are you on? Oh, I'm on Pro Basketball Reference. Uh, you just scroll down a little bit further. Where'd it go? He is. Let's see. Uh, this is great radio. Sorry. No, this is good. Uh, oh, he's 28%. <laughs> okay. Which is pretty high. That is pretty like, high. MVP, John like Trey, like for instance, 15, for reference, right? it's like always around 31. Like Trey is only oh, around yeah, 31. But he's a... Yeah. So that's pretty high usage. That concerns me a bit. But like, that's just um, not... Not sustainable. Like that's not... You can't play winning basketball when that's your... 
when that's the the usage rate for for Kuz. Like that's just for not. Kuzma. But I think Kyle Kuzma is also a lot more willing to come in and play kind of a backseat role. Mm. Um, He's shooting forty three percent on quarter threes. Beautiful. That's that's, that's my all thing, I want from like him. he's forty three percent. That's all I want threes. from him. Like if that's his role and he's good with it, like that's just bread and butter. When Trey and, and Yeka pick come him in all, and do one thing, two things well, he hits his open shots. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't need to create for himself. We have nope. Don't need that. Three guys you can do for that plus Delon Wright in that move. I like that move. Yeah, got kind of makes a lot of sense. I'm on board. I'm on board because I don't think John Collins is going to be here. No. I just don't think. I don't think it's tenable at this point. No. And this team needs to win games. The only thing that I could see, one of the big things I could see detracting from that move is the fact that now we're winning a couple basketball games. And if we continue to win games over the next two weeks, Tony Ressler is going to stick his fat hands into the middle of this again and block deals. I don't know. He did it with Paul Millsap a couple years ago. Wasn't a good basketball team, but he did it because, well, the team's winning a couple of games, but it turned out to be just an enigma. And they uh, flamed out. I don't know. I, whenever whenever owners meddle in the operations of game of, of game management, team management, almost never works. It almost never works, and I never want to see that. It's always almost always a bad sign, especially in the NBA. More more the NBA more than most. Worked for Jerry Jones for a few years in the NFL, but yeah, we are where we are. Garrett, what can the good folks check out from you all over the internet this week? Uh, another big weekend for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, big recruiting weekend. So we'll be uh, catching up with some recruits and I will be posting some content as the week goes, weekend goes on. Um, Hawks in action, of course. So we'll be in studio reacting to all that good stuff. So got a couple shows this weekend. So catch me in 19 on the game all weekend long. There you go. Garrett, always a pleasure. Thank you. And I will talk to you next week. Let's do it. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.